1: What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 265 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Sunday afternoon, and I am joined for the first time in far too long, and that is my fault, by Joe Lucia, the... Are you the managing editor of Awful Announcing? Is that your title? Something like that? Uh,
0: Something like that, yeah. We'll Man go in charge.
1: That. Man in charge of Awful Announcing and other places?
0: Yeah, that sounds about right.
1: Perfect. Well, uh, thank you for joining me, sir. You've been on this podcast multiple times before, but uh, here we are. It's been kind of a quiet week, actually. Uh, the last time anything happened for the Braves, Uh, Scott and Eric did an emergency podcast without me on Drew Smiley, and we'll talk about him a little bit in a second, but other than that, it's been kind of quiet, so I guess we can quickly just mention that Kyle Muller is on the 40 man now, um, avoiding Rule 5 disaster there, and the Braves also claimed a man named Jack Mayfield off waivers, and you and I were talking about this before we started recording, I had never heard of Jack Mayfield in my life until that happened, so I don't know.
0: Yeah, I know nothing about Jack Mayfield, and I would not be surprised if he is in a different organization come spring training.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a 30-year-old utility guy who hasn't really hit in the majors at all. He he does have minor league options, which people pointed out, if they wanted to just have a guy for depth that they could send up and down. Um, I don't know. I have nothing on that. It's just a guy that the Braves acquired and had to announce, so we had to talk about it for a second.
0: It kind of seems like a uh, Mike Fast acquisition since he used to be in the Astros organization for so many years. But uh, who really knows? Who really uh, Who really cares? I don't think Jack Mayfield is going to play <laughs> much of a uh, role in the 2021 Braves. But hey, if I'm wrong, I will gladly eat crow.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that 100%. Um, so with that, with those news things out of the way and to the that they actually were news – we haven't talked in this space in a while. I, I've talked to you a little bit, but I, I want to go all the way back to the playoffs and the run the Braves made and kind of just get where your head is on this whole thing. So what what was your sort of takeaway from the run they made to the NLCS? And how do you feel coming out of that as a uh, someone who observed the race closely?
0: I mean, the NLCS run itself was magical, but... The way it ended left me so angry and disappointed and disheartened. Like, I think a lot of us were feeling and in all honesty, I didn't really have the whole like moral victory vibe that it seemed like a lot of us did because I mean, different year, same thing. The Braves made the playoffs and lost to a far better team and the teams they actually beat in the playoffs this year, shock and awe, shock and awe wouldn't have made the playoffs last year under the old five-team-per-league format. So while it's still a playoff series win and playoff consecutive game victories and all that kind of thing, I mean, are we really going to look back over series wins over the Reds and Marlins and think of it as like the golden era? I really don't think so. And, uh, man, we really need to get the bar higher going forward, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a pessimist by nature, as everyone probably knows. is listening to this and it's probably laughing right now. I, I think it's good. I think it's good slash okay to be like happy that, that they that they finally won a playoff series. Like that that matters. It was weird circumstances, but they at least won a playoff series. They actually won two, and that's a good thing. But it was kind of hard to swallow. I mean, I said this at the time, and I'll say it again now, like, you know, the way it ended was pretty brutal in a lot of ways. Now, I guess, granted, you lost to a team that was really good, that ended up winning the World Series. Maybe that lightens the load a little bit. But it also makes it to where, like, you were also an inning or two from beating that team. So maybe that's even more frustrating.
0: Yeah, and those, like, last three games, like, the way they lost, especially, I want to say it was game, gosh, either six or seven. They had... There was something like the last 20 of 21 hitters were retired with only like one guy reaching base. It was like, I mean, at least go down with some fight, man, at least go down swinging, at least go down, not just rolling over for the team that's been crowned for the last however many years in the uh, national league and hasn't been able to uh, get it done with a world series. And just the way that the Braves decided to not at least like make competitive is what killed me in those last three games.
1: For sure. Um, So coming out of that, obviously there's the pandemic and there's financial uncertainty and there is the whole, league-wide concern about how the contract stuff is going to go, and we've, we've seen some deals made to this point in time. I know you cover the whole league as well. I mean, what do you make of this whole situation? Like, are teams going to spend money? Are the guys at the top going to get squeezed? I mean, starting pitching seems to be okay between Drew Smiley and some of the other ones. Those guys got, some, got, got, got paid a little bit, so that's not that big of a concern. But where are you at in this whole market right now? Because it's been pretty quiet.
0: I think it's going to be a lot like we've seen the last couple of years where the elite guys, the guys at the top, the guys like uh, Springer and Bauer, guys like that, they'll they'll get paid. But it's kind of the guys in the middle to lower end that uh, may find things a little tough. Like you look at someone like, uh, oh, man, I don't know. uh Looking at free agents now to see if there's anyone that actually like <laughs> meets my uh, criteria, and it's uh, very difficult. Look at someone like Brett Gardner. How about Brett Gardner? He's in his mid to late 30s. He's a guy who is like still a viable major league player, but he's not a star. Do we really think someone like Brett Gardner is going to be able to get like a multi-year big money deal like he may have gotten in previous years? I really don't think so, and I think – that the trickle down effect is going to affect guys that like would, you know, normally easily get bench spots like uh, Matt Joyce, Mark Reynolds, guys like that. I mean, we know the Mark Reynolds story from I think it was last winter where he allegedly got three identical offers on the exact same day after no calls. I think a lot of those kind of – I don't want to call them org players, but the guys that are uh, more depth pieces, I think they'll have struggles while the uh, top-of-the-line guys won't really have any issues getting paid.
1: Yeah, and that that makes sense. I think that's kind of the trickle-down effect that it might have if teams are trying to maybe cut salary – Across the board, and the Braves, as everybody knows, is listening to this podcast, are this weird situation where they're owned by a corporation, um, not a family or a person, so they can do different things. Uh, it's kind of a challenge trying to figure out where they're going to draw the line. They have spent a little bit so far. Obviously, the one signing that I want to ask you about is Drew Smiley, and that was a surprise to some fans, and uh, you know there was lots of reactions to that, um, positive, negative, also just some re- maybe overreactions on it, what it, how, sort of how, how it impacts payroll but they gave him real money. So what's your reaction to that, both like, in terms of just Smiley in particular and also what it does for the rest of the offseason for the Braves?
0: With Smiley, I feel like I felt at the trade deadline last year, which is not a good thing, and last offseason where it depends on what else comes. If Smiley is like the move, I mean, I'm – going to be a lot less negative on about it. Whereas if he is the first of like several moves to help bolster the pitching staff and the offense as a whole, I'll feel a lot better about it. In other words, if drew smiley is like the Tommy Malone of this offseason, <laughs> the one guy, I'm really not going to like it. Whereas if he's the will Smith, one of several key parts, I'll feel A lot more positively about the signing
1: yeah so I wasn't on the show when we reacted to it I think it's totally fine I'm with you on this I think that's not like the only piece they need in the rotation I was on record as saying that I would sign multiple arms uh, before this all started I know they have the young guys as well it's good to have depth but I I thought that they needed at least two more Um, this is one of them you would assume Smiley, you know, was really good this year in a very, very small sample size. He's been good in the past. Before that, he was, like, pretty pretty excellent. Not, maybe not excellent. He was very good in, like, 2014 um, as a starter. Same with 2015 with the Rays. He had some pretty good numbers there. Lost his way a little bit from there. But I think the talent, uh, at least what he put on film if you want to say in 2020 was pretty good they're clearly buying into some of the changes he's made his spin rates up his velocity is up all that stuff we that I could probably not be qualified to get into as much as everybody else would be but I do I do think that they're buying on him the price is maybe a little higher than everyone would want but it's a one-year deal and it's usually a one-year deal tax in some ways and also I think personally the Braves like to do these deals where no one else can bid and they can just announce it themselves, and maybe they're paying an extra million dollars just to have this be done and make sure they have a guy that they can sort of build with now. And uh, that, that's just my own theory, but it just seems like Anthopolis likes to do these kind of very quick, out-of-the-gates, one-year deals, and that gives you flexibility elsewhere.
0: Yeah, they do get uh, out of the door pretty quick. We saw it with uh, uh, Smith last year. We saw it with, I believe... It was Donaldson the year before and the Brian McCann deal. The I year say Brian Ma- Ma- Ma-
1: McCann and Donaldson within like three hours one day. It was just like, yeah. okay.
0: And I think the Azuna one last year was also uh, pretty quick. So I'm really kind of hoping that uh, we get something else in the next week or two. So once these other guys start coming off the market, we're not left in a situation where the Braves have to consider – Someone like a Felix Hernandez, like last year, where a guy like that coming in would be, you know, like fine as like a minor league potential depth signing. But if he is one of the guys you're looking at to like really bolster your rotation, I'd, uh, that would be a little uh, hedgy for me. Brett Anderson, I do not want any part of a guy like Brett Anderson. Is
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I was going to ask you in general, like, who are some guys you have your eye on? So while we're here on the rotation, is there anybody that you think the Braves you know, could slash should um, take a look at right now, knowing that they're not probably not going to go too crazy, considering they have the guys coming back that are young, plus smiley? Are there names on your radar for the rotation that you would be looking at specifically, or is it just kind of like who's the best value inside that guy?
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is about value. Uh, and... I mean, you can immediately take them out of the running for guys like uh, Paxton and Tanaka and even, and even someone like Taiwan Walker, who doesn't have a long track record, but has a lot of potential and I think is going to have a lot of suitors. I would really like to look at uh, someone like Mike Miner, who uh, was not really good last year, but had shown flashes when he was with the Rangers. I don't know if he's going to get a ton of interest this offseason after uh, the way things kind of created for him after he got traded back to the A's. But I think he could be a uh, nice piece. And then there are like lower tier guys that might interest me a little more like uh, like Mike Fires. He's a guy that can eat innings and do that job pretty well that uh, – would really kind of fit the mold of what the Braves are looking for. And uh, maybe even someone like uh, Gio Gonzalez, same kind of, same kind of guy, Uh, old, shouldn't be that expensive, but uh, can still get the job done.
1: Yeah. I think that minor, obviously former Braves. So that's more interesting than some for some people. He wasn't good last year. He was really good the year before in Texas through 208 innings and was like a pretty high end option. Somewhere in between there is what he probably is in real in real life if if healthy. But you know, by the way, Joe, you and I are old. Mike Miner will be thirty two pretty soon. No, well, sorry, we'll be thirty three pretty soon. That is crazy. I, I remember, I remember, I remember like being very cognizant of Mike Miner being drafted in the first round, and Mike Miner will be thirty three years old pretty soon. So. Just
0: saying. I re- I remember the days when Mike Minor was drafted. That was like the first full season of me running my own Braves blog. And I was very angry because I wanted the Braves, instead of taking Mike Minor, to take Tyler Matzik instead. Wow, full circle. And and now Tyler Matzik is part of the Braves bullpen. And Mike Minor is a guy that maybe the Braves will sign as a free agent. So uh, pretty funny how the world works.
1: And Tyler Matzik was uh, awesome this year. So there, there you go. You're vindicated after all this time.
0: <laughs> Anyone who knows me for a long time knows I've been beating the Tyler massive drum for 10 plus years now. So, seeing him succeed this year just made me really happy.
1: Yeah, it's all it's all coming it's all coming coming back around. I I agree with you on that list. I think you know, guys who else have we not mentioned? Oh, I want to ask you about two guys because they keep getting linked to the Braves either by guessing or by like semi intel and they're two old guys who used to be good and they are Adam Wainwright and John Lester do you have any interest in either of those guys? Because I feel like of all the, I almost don't want to use the word reporting. All the people that are reporters talking about like ideas, you hear those guys a lot.
0: I think Lester's washed. I want nothing to do with him. Uh, as for Wainwright, uh, selfishly for work, I'd like to see him retire because he was a really good announcer. But uh, if he decided to take a one-year deal with the Braves, I think it could work out. Though I do think there is some kind of uh, meltdown potential like that Tom Glavin contract 10 years ago so a little bit of a wait- and see thing there but you know if it's like one year three or four million I mean why not we'll see what happens
1: yeah it wouldn't be the worst idea for a year uh, he's old but uh we'll see I just feel like those are guys that we get asked about a lot to weigh in on and they both have local ties in some ways and Wainwright um, he's maybe going to retire. Um, Lester might have to force to be retired <laughs> if he doesn't have a market. So we'll see how that all goes, but I wanted to make sure that I asked you about those guys specifically. Um, we can pivot a little bit now to the offensive side because there was a, a quote, well, I guess there was a, a, a phrase used by Mark Bowman that I wanted to point out. Um, Bowman wrote this week that, and I'm quoting now, I get the sense the growing assumption is NL teams will be indeed using the DH again in 2021, end quote. So, that's a guess, of course, but there's a little bit of buzz about the DH coming. We don't know unless you do, Joe. I want to break some news. Um, I don't know anyway about the DH, but that impacts a lot too. That especially guys like Marcel Ozuna, of course, uh, incumbent Braves DH. But is that part of the reason? Maybe you think that some of these guys are waiting that might have uh, other options. Like Ozuna is like the most number one example of this, but there are other guys too that might be. Uh, I would say smartly waiting for some word on this. And by the way, it's crazy to me that they would go into the free agency and not have the answer to this, but here we are.
0: Yeah, I mean, first off, I fully agree with you. It's completely insane that uh, we are like a month into the offseason and teams still don't know the rules for next year. That that doesn't seem very helpful when it comes to roster construction. But uh, I do know for a fact that there are some guys holding out on seeing what happens, like Nelson Cruz. He's 40. He is a DH and nothing but if the NL has the DH, his potential market uh, doubles in teams. So that would be uh, huge for a guy like him. And uh, obviously, Marcel Zuna, if uh, the DH is expanded to the NL full time next year, uh, not only is a team like the Braves going to be a much better fit for him, but other teams where he might not be a fit right now we'll look at him as a more viable option and that will in turn boost his market and potentially uh, his salary along with it. So uh, hopefully we get that done by the winter meetings, which are in I believe two weeks, but with the way baseball operates really not sure in a time frame for that.
1: And the winter meetings are also virtual. So maybe that won't have the same juicing effect on the market as it often does. I mean, they're going to happen, but you you know, you know, you know, this, A lot of those deals happen because guys are in the same hotel (laughs) hanging out and talking all day long. And now they're going to have meetings on Zoom, but I'm not sure if that's going to be like the, the pivot point that we always see. Maybe it will be still. I don't know.
0: I'm not sure if this is also going to make the uh, leak situation better or worse than usual, since, you know, reporters just can't hound agents and
1: players in the lobby. I must say famously, just hanging out in the lobby all day for four days straight, every reporter in the world.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, just trying to get a scoop
1: on where uh, Jack Mayfield's going to be signing. (laughs) (laughs) Will said. Um, So, I asked you that about the DH, too, in part because of Ozuna, and, you know, he's... Interesting. I I have been on my island saying that the Braves should still consider signing Ozuna even without the DH. And part of the reason I say that is because the DH seems to be everyone is assuming it's going to be back in 22 regardless. Um, And I think his defense is not good, but isn't so bad where you'd have to just cross him off entirely. Do you agree with me or am I crazy?
0: I agree with you, if only for the fact that last offseason – they signed Azuna with uh, without the possibility of the dh that's going that's into the point I make,
1: too all the time people think I'm crazy oh i'm I'm so glad to hear you say that
0: it's very so exciting. clearly that, so clearly they weren't that concerned about his defense a year ago and I mean yeah in the three month season or whatever it was this year his defense left uh, a lot to be desired but at the same time his offense more than made up for it he was absolutely incredible. And even if uh, the NL doesn't adopt the DH next year, I mean, getting a bat like that back in the lineup will be huge and so much more beneficial than getting a better glove like uh, Enciarte or a guy who I mentioned earlier, someone like a Brett Gardner, who is like all glove and minimal bat.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's it's interesting. I think everyone knows that they would rather have him be the DH I made the point that you've made as well, but I, I will say the Braves clearly think less of his defense after seeing it up close and personal. Even back to spring training, you were getting buzz in spring training that they were not thrilled with the defense. I think it was worse than they thought it was going to be. The arm especially is just apparently just gone forever now, which is not great. Um, so I, I did want to ask you though, if if we have, if, well, let's assume the DH is in. Let's assume we know the DH is in and they find that out in the next couple of weeks. What is the number on Marcel Ozuna, years, dollars, whatever you want to put it um, where you would not want him to be back with the Braves? Like what's the, what's the pain number for you where you would be like, you know what, go ahead and go ahead, Marcel. Uh
0: Anything more than four years. Uh, I think that's really kind of the, uh, I, I do not want a five or I don't even know if six year deals are even going to exist this off season, but nothing more than four. And I'd say like, I don't know, average value of like 20 million is probably too high for me. I could get, I could see going like 354. Something like that I think would be perfect. But like if you're talking like 366, I think that would be uh, a little too excessive for me.
1: So at that number so you know 22 million a year 3 years is too much for you. What about like I'm not sure this is going to be the case because of his age, but in the market. What about if it was like 4 for 72? Is that too long and big for you to want to do it?
0: i think that's like the upper limit for me okay i i I would do it but i mean if another team beats it it's no i'm not countering
1: yeah i've been trying to think about this myself which is part of the reason why i'm asking like what is the number where i'm going to come on this podcast and not like the deal and I, i think it might be like 480 would be too much um even then i wouldn't criticize it because that just shows that they're Actually, going to spend some money, which is nice, probably. Um, but even you know, just realistically, value wise, and baseball, it's hard. I mean, you know this, but I cover basketball, where value contracts really, really matter because they you have to match salary, and there's a there's a soft salary cap, all this stuff. In baseball, the money matters, but it only matters if your team ownership wants it to matter, because you could just buy everybody if you wanted to. <laughs> it's not. Uh, it's just weird to me. That's the the nuances are there. Like fans always get upset if they. Of a deal is too much money in their mind, but you got to tell me why that is. Like, if you're worried about it impacting the rest of the roster, that's a concern. But if it's just about money, then it's not your money.
0: Yeah, and you also have to realize the Braves are in a very advantageous payroll situation after this year. I mean, yeah, they still need to get a possible Freeman extension done, which is going to cost. Probably at least a hundred million for however many years, and but aside from that, I mean, there's no one on this roster really making money aside from Acuna when his uh, big extension really goes into effect in 2022, and after that, I mean you have his deal and you have the Albies deal, which is for peanuts. And that's really not a lot of money at all. So if you have to sign a Zuna for 18, 20 million a year, it's not going to like eat up every last cent of your budget.
1: Yeah. I'm looking at the roster sort of salary paid right now on fan graphs, And for 2023, the Braves have three guys right now who are under contract beyond, um, arbitration numbers. It's as you said, it's Acuna, it's Albies. And it's a club option on Will Smith that they, could, that they, they obviously could move on from if they wanted to. Um, we all like it if Freeman was on the team. There's other guys that you want to lock up eventually, but they don't have a ton of salary committed. And the two guys that have long-term, like you referenced there, are deals that we all expect to be very favorable to the team. So, I don't know. Freeman was on my list to ask you about, so we'll just do it now I have no idea what the number is going to end up being if they even get the deal done. I feel like I'm confident that they're going to figure something out because they don't want him to hit the market. Um, but it's going to be, I think you a $100 million is, is probably right. Even if it's only three years, like how about three for 100 for Freddie Freeman? Is that even going to be, I don't know, I have no idea. Honestly, like length especially in this weird market, like how many years do you want to give Freddie Freeman? I don't know, but it's going to be a lot of money regardless.
0: I'm also curious if he wants to potentially come back home because the angels are going to have the uh, Pujols contract coming off the books after uh, 21. And uh, Freeman, of course, from Southern California, that's been rumored as a potential fit forever. So he might want to get to free agency. He might not want to get a possible extension done. And if something like that happens, what kind of contract could he get there to potentially, uh, potentially price him out of the Braves range. So it's really a uh, situation where it might not even be in the team's hands right now.
1: Yeah, there's always there's always a give and take. It's, it's a good it's a good reminder because, you know, fans want the guy to stay and I think Freddie probably likes it with the Braves. He's been the guy for a long time. They they live here year round, all that stuff. But it's um it's not a one-way street. The guy might have other intentions, and Freddie might want to stay long-term. He's always said the right things about staying long-term. But you're not going to get – I think I said this on a, on a recent podcast as well – but you're not going to get a discount on Freddie here, I, I don't think. Um, maybe maybe you will in terms of what he might get in free agency, but it's not gonna, like he's going to sign a deal for 15, $15 million a year. It's just not going to happen. He's going to sign for a lot of money on an annual basis, and I'm fine with him doing that because he is that good and should age reasonably well. But it's not going to be a number where we all come out on podcast and write about a number that looks like it's incredibly team friendly. I don't think.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a discount here at all. This isn't like a Chipper Jones situation where he, you know, grew up regionally and grew up as a fan of the team and was like embedded in his DNA from day one or something like that. I think it's a situation where you know I I think he wants to stay, but I don't think he's going to. Uh, Take a below market, less than he can possibly get on free agency contract, just to do it. I think he's. uh, I think he knows how much he's worth, and uh, he's going to want a contract that uh, essentially pays him what he's worth.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, Okay, so outside of that, I wanted to ask you, like I did with with pitching, um, before we get to to names, is there position other than corner outfield where we all have talked about forever like do you would you look at third base like where do you feel about Austin Riley that's kind of the only natural other spot to really examine but how does this roster shape up for you in terms of what you're actually looking to add or bolster this offseason because if, if Azuna walks you have a clear hole or two in the outfield or DH and then you also have third base that's kind of that's kind of it in terms of needs
0: I think you need another outfielder, no matter what, because uh, on the forty man right now, you've got I want to say four plus Duval, who still theoretically could be non tendered, and you an Ender really, <laughs> yeah, Ender who you know he's getting his money no matter what. You have Abraham Almonte, who I mean probably isn't going to feature and significantly this year. Acuna, who obviously is cancel him in lead off for the next eight years playing one of the outfield positions and Christian Pache, who looked great in the playoffs, but are they really going to give him a starting role next year? Really not sure on that yet. So I think no matter what you're going to need to look at an outfield or whether or not there's going to be a DH, whether or not you are, uh, are able to bring a Zuna back. And then there's the third base question. I mean, I don't know what we've learned from Riley yet. He has 500 plate appearances in his career. He's been overall a poor hitter, but over the two seasons, he's been a poor hitter in two different ways. Each has kind of had its ups. Each has had its downs. I mean, when you put the ups together, it's like an all-star, but when you put the downs together, it's a guy who shouldn't even be in the majors. So I think next year is going to be a big season for him, but I think they're going to roll out Riley for another full season and uh, see what ends up happening there.
1: Yeah, I, I think so too. And I, I personally would not hesitate to acquire someone at third base over him. But I think it, it, it would probably need to be someone that you knew was going to be good. Like if Chris Bryant is a guy that's on the radar, as everyone always talks about, that's the kind of guy where you could do it. Um, but you're not going to just go out and spend money on a free agent third baseman, I don't think, with Riley. I think you're going to give him another chance. I, I've never been the biggest Riley guy in the world, but it does seem like they're going to give him one more shot at this and then had that be the make-or-break season in the, in the upcoming year. I agree with you on the outfield as well. They have to do something there. Um, I guess it's a natural segue Other guys you're looking at, Ozuna is almost in his own category right now because of his hybrid DH nature and the fact that he was already on the team last year. But take him out of it. Is there anybody that you're looking at that you think is a particularly good fit? Because there's there's names that you always hear.
0: Yeah, I mean, Michael Brantley is the name that... Everyone always says and yep. I, I think I think he would be a great fit, especially since he'd probably only get uh, one one, year deal. I don't think it would be something long term that would really kind of block someone or lock the position down for a long time. But I mean, aside from him and George Springer, who is uh, assume he's out of the Braves price range, you look at the rest of these guys and I mean, a lot of them are like older or all glove or platoon, there's really just not a lot of guys there that I could see like playing like a 140 games a season for the team.
1: Yeah, the the other popular one, I agree, you know, Brentley's the natural one, and that's one that I'd used as well. He'd be good. He's a good hitter, he's proven all that stuff. The other name that you hear the most probably is Jock Peterson. Um, I think in part because he could kind of platoon with Duvall in a little in a little bit. Um, and also he's just kind of a famous player that has power and all that stuff. But it's not like there's a, a huge laundry list of guys who you know can be an everyday good player in the outfield that's available in terms of free agency. You could trade for a guy as well. But if you're going to sign someone planning to play them every day, Brantley's the only guy that I'm, other than Springer, who, again, like you said, is probably out of the price range, Brantley is the one that probably best combines the price tag and... And also the ability to just, like, not worry about him. I mean, there's some durability stuff there, I guess. But other than that, he's just he's just good. So maybe that's the one that I, – I, I guess the, what I'm saying is there's a reason why he's the guy everybody mentions.
0: <laughs> yeah, and another guy that kind of fits into that boat I think is Adam Eaton yep. from the Nationals who really wasn't good at all last year. But I think he could be had on, like, a nice little one-year pillow contract to kind of bounce back. But at the same time, he kind of has a lot of the uh, NCR Tech kind of like qualities about him. So I'm not sure if uh, adding a guy like that to the outfield mix would really be a great thing overall.
1: Yeah, I mean, what happens with Ender in your mind? I, we spent some time on this on a couple of shows ago about Ender, and we're all guessing. But what do you what do you think is like the most likely resolution to that? Because he is going to get the money regardless.
0: Yeah, he's going to get the money. I think it's going to be a situation where. Uh, He's packaged for maybe another bad contract somewhere. Uh, we don't see that too often in baseball, but we did see it with that uh crazy Dodgers swap. We saw it with that Indians trade with uh what was it Swisher and Chris Johnson and Michael <laughs> Bourne. That was uh, that was kind of ugly. I, the
1: one the one that I bring up is the one that got Tukey to Atlanta from Arizona. Well that that was like a straight prospect buy, man. That was yeah.
0: That was a straight up NBA style trade. It and was. I don't th- and I don't think I could see the Braves essentially giving up a prospect that is at least slightly touted just to dump nearly ten million dollars. I would sell, hope I would seems. hope
1: not, because it's just that's just bad business. But that that's a way to do it if they were just desperate, if Liberty said, look, here's your hard and fast salary cap, Alex, for this year, and there was no other way to do it, that's a way that you could. I agree it's not the greatest idea in the world. You, you do not want to um, you know, use prospect capital to get off money in the way that they did there with Arizona, but that's, that is an option, if you want to call it that.
0: You could also use a trade like that to theoretically clear 40 mound spots. I, I think it was uh, another Dodgers trade where we saw a uh, the Braves acquired Juan Uribe for three guys on the 40 man that probably weren't long-term assets and none of them ended up really doing all that much, but it, you know, cleared some of the roster spots away, got something of a little bit of value in return for the Braves. And it ended up being, uh, I don't know, it it, it at least helped uh, turn the roster a little bit more. I think we could see something like that with, one of these guys who probably isn't going to be a long-term uh, asset just to kind of like get him and NCRT to a place where they could maybe play a little more, get them off the 40-man and uh, just move on in that direction.
1: What is the percentage chance in your mind that Ender Enciarte plays another game for the Braves on the field?
0: I'll say 65%, actually.
1: So pretty high. I mean, that that's the thing. I've been saying, and that's higher than I even think, but I've been saying the whole time, everyone's assuming that he's just gone, and it's just like, look, guys, it's not as easy as everyone thinks it is to get off that money. And there is an argument, anyway, to just bring Ender back as the fifth outfielder, um, the most overpaid fifth outfielder in the world, but just have him be on the team for insurance. If you get an injury or two, you can roll him out there. He probably won't be good, but... That might be preferable, especially if the if the deal is you know trying to get off him with some serious pain. You could be better off just saving that roster spot and making him your 26th man or whatever.
0: Yeah, and I mean when you look at the situation and think like who would you rather have as your fourth slash fifth slash sixth outfielder, him or a guy like Almonte? Knowing you're going to have to pay Enciarte no matter what, I mean, wouldn't you lean? For Ender, well, here, here's the here's
1: the thing. Before I'm sure, you, you might even get there too, but the problem is, no one trusts that, Sn- that Snicker won't play him. <laughs> I, I would hope that that's the case, but you know what I mean. That that is a concern that I've heard from Braves fans, and the one that I would at least kind of share is that if he's on the team, there is the threat that he could just play too much.
0: And that is why you have to make sure that like he has better options. You have to try to like Snicker proof the team.
1: Yeah, I mean that's and that's, it's been the case with obviously the other guy that we talk about with this, is Markakis, at times. In that if you if you have him on the team, Snit, Snit is going to play him, and um, that's the concern. Uh, I guess Markakis is the other guy who's a free agent we could at least briefly discuss. I, you know, we all we all know the, the deal on that. I think, but uh, any interest in bringing him back again uh, if if it's you, Joe?
0: I don't think there is really any chance of that happening, just because. He really wasn't, you know, that much of a factor this season. He came back. He, he hit that big walk-off homer that I predicted 10 minutes before. And <laughs> and aside from that, I can't think of one thing he did that was in any way memorable. It was really a forgettable season. And, like, even a lot of the guys that were, like, super pro Marcakis weren't constantly talking him up and saying he should be in the lineup every day. The end of the season, he was a platoon player. He was a guy that wasn't playing every day, and he shouldn't have been playing every day.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. Um, before I get out of here, I do want to ask you, for one uh, maybe bold prediction, give me something that you think will happen, um, and obviously we are likely to be wrong on these, but um, something you something that the Braves are going to do in your mind in the next three, four months um, roster-wise. A- any uh, anything bold out there that you think's going to happen?
0: Huh. Um I honestly have no idea how the uh league itself is going to shake out, but uh I'm going to say weirdly enough that they're not going to non-tender anyone before the uh ARB deadline in a couple
1: weeks which means non t- uh, oh so Camargo will get a deal under that circumstance under that uh, prism
0: Com- Camargo, Bloop Jackson and Dayton I think are all going to get contracts just because I mean they're they're not too expensive. It's not a situation where they're making, you know, 7 million projected or something like that. They're really cheap salaries and they have some sort of roles with the team going forward, even if it, they're not good enough, they have potential roles there that uh, you could fill, but uh, you wouldn't necessarily get an upgrade for what you'd be paying.
1: I will guess that one of them does not. Um, I'm not sure who it is between Camargo and Luke Jackson that won't get tendered, but I, I'm going to guess one of them doesn't. Um, so we'll, we'll, we should probably, we, we should bet like a, lemonade on this at some point I don't I don't drink that's why I said lemonade but um whenever, whenever there's not a pandemic I'll uh, I'll buy you, I'll buy you dinner or something if I if I'm wrong on that one
0: yeah when uh everyone's back at SunTrust in like three years
1: <laughs> yeah uh by the way not SunTrust anymore Truest Park Joe I, don't, I, don't, I know you don't live here anymore or, any, or ever but tr- Truest Park
0: Yeah. I'm not calling it Truist Park. That's That's, fine. I I understand.
1: Trust me. I I called it SunTrust for like the first six months without even remembering. I wasn't even trying to do like a bit. I I just kept forgetting. That was what it was called, but Truist Park. Um, well, thank you, Joe, for doing this as always, anything that you wanted to get off your chest, feel free to do so. And if not, please plug what you got going on. You are a very busy man editing content, writing content. So please share everything that you got going there.
0: Yeah. I mean, I really don't have much going on right now. Uh, over at Awful Announcing, we just posted our yearly NFL broadcaster rankings, which are a uh, source of great labor and frustration for me every year. So I'm glad that's done. But I mean, this week I'm uh, I'm taking off after Tuesday and not really going anywhere, just relaxing for the holidays that i will not be celebrating and uh yeah it's gonna be good
1: <laughs> a good time uh did you share your twitter account just now i can't remember if you said it out loud oh, twitter
0: uh share it joe joe underscore toc follow me for uh complaining about my very depressing sports teams
1: uh yeah joe and i both had equally um maybe not equally but frustrating sunday afternoons with our with our nfl teams i am a falcons fan of course and joe is a ravens fan so didn't go well for the Ravens today.
0: But, hey, shout out to the uh, Northwestern Wildcats who are going to the Big Ten title game again. They are
1: much better than Michigan. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, no Ooh question boy. about that. So, All right, Joe. Well, thank you for doing this, man. Uh, we will talk soon, I am sure. I'll bug you once again to come on this podcast. Uh, everybody else, please subscribe to the show. Check out the previous episodes with myself and Scott and Eric, etc. And we'll see you all next time.